Welcome to the Guitar Music Theory Podcast. I'm Desi Serna, author of Fretboard Theory, Guitar Picking Mechanics, Guitar Theory for Dummies, and more. This podcast features free guitar lessons that focus on music theory for guitar, including guitar scales, chords, progressions, modes, composition techniques, improvisation, and more. The lessons are geared toward intermediate level players on up. You can follow along on either an acoustic or electric guitar. Bass players can take away a lot from the lessons too. Today's podcast episode is a previous recording in which you learn how the spaces between chords are filled with passing chords. This includes a discussion on chromatic passing chords, diminished chords, and augmented chords. This lesson is based on my book, Fretboard Theory, Volume 2, Chapter 5. Hi, this is Desi Serna. Composers and players use passing chords in a progression similar to the way that they use passing notes in a scale. Just as you can use chromatic passing notes between different scale degrees, you can use different chromatic passing chords to connect different chords. Now this will often include using diminished chords, but it could be something as simple as just taking a major or minor chord from the major scale and moving it up or down by a half step as you move to the next chord. And that's where we're going to start. If you're in a major scale, playing the major scale chord sequence, for example, let's say you're in the key of F. got seven chords in the scale. Some are a couple or a half step apart. Most of them are a whole step apart. The, note, the chords that are a whole step apart could be connected chromatically by simply just moving one of the chords up or down and filling that space as you transition to the next chord. So instead of doing something like you can go actually hear this done in songs. A good example would be The Wind Cries Mary by Jimi Hendrix. It's based in the key of F, and one of the progressions in the song that you hear during the verse is C, B flat, F. That's 5-4-1. And if you listen carefully, you'll hear that Hendrix connected the 5 and the 4 chord at times by putting the B natural in between. So that would be C, B natural, and then B flat. And it sounds like this. Or you also hear some chromatic movement at the very beginning of the Wind Cries Mary. The tonic chord is F, and Hendrix plays uh, basically a power chord, 
with a fifth in the bass. But instead of hitting it straight on, he backs up a, a couple of steps and plays an E flat and then an E leading up chromatically to the F chord. Then he plays uh, an inversion of the same chords with a third in the bass, which he hammers onto. And again, uses some chromatic half-step movement. Another example would be connecting the one chord to the sixth chord and touching on the half-steps in between. You hear this done in I'm a Man by Spencer Davis Group. It starts on a G chord and it moves toward an E minor chord and it uses an F sharp and an F in between and you get this sound. Something similar is done in the key of A, connecting the one chord A and the sixth chord F sharp minor in the song Life Without You by Stevie Ray Vaughan. In the popular Christmas song White Christmas, you have a melody that's based on the first four chords in the major scale, and it sounds like this. I'm in the key of C, and I'm using chords one, two, three, and four, but I also had some half-step movement in there. For example, I move the, and I'm also playing sevenths, by the way, I use C major seven, D minor seven, E minor seven, F major seven. And I move the C major seven down a half step for part of that melody. Then I connected the D minor seven and the E minor seven chromatically. You actually hear something very similar done in the song Changes by David Bowie. Now in all of these examples, you are simply taking chords that are in the scale and you're just moving them up by a half step, moving them up or down by a half step as you move to one of the other chords in the scale. So you wouldn't consider this to be a borrowed chord, you wouldn't consider this to be a key change or modal interchange or anything like that. And usually you don't even um, uh, bother to factor in these passing chords as you choose your scales uh, you know, for, for melody or for solos. They're simply little stepping stones that are connecting between uh, chords that are in the key. Now you might be able to use little stepping stones in your scales as well and, and follow these, these passing chords. But the point I'm trying to get across here is that um, you're, uh, we don't consider it a key change. We don't try to identify those chords as coming from some, somewhere else, and you usually don't even identify them uh, by number. You know, they're, they're kind of just considered to be 
um, embellishment, that sort of thing. Now you will often hear blues players use half-step motion like this to move into the main chords of a 12-bar blues. So for example, let's say that you're in the key of uh, G, or rather that you're playing a blues in the key of G. So you would uh, play chords that you would identify as 1, 4, 5. That's G, C, and D. Uh, but you're going to play them all as dominant 7, so you'd play G7, C7, D7, or maybe G7, C9, and D9. And in blues, instead of going to a chord and just hitting it, hitting it straight up, uh, oftentimes you will hit it first a half step higher or a half step lower and move into it chromatically. So something like... Um, you definitely will, are going to hear the five chord connected to the four chord chromatically quite a bit. And blues songs often end by taking the main tonic chord and moving it up or down by a half step. Or maybe something like... You hear that technique of taking a tonic chord um, and playing it down a half step in a lot of rock and roll songs too, like Jailhouse Rock by Elvis Presley and Heartache Tonight by the, by the Eagles. Again, we wouldn't try to identify that um, half step chord in any way other than just being a, a, a technique to lead into the tonic chord. In funk styles of music, you'll often hear guitar players kind of playing a chord riff that's based on a seventh chord or a ninth chord, and they'll move it up or down by a half step or sometimes more. And a good example would be Play That Funky Music by Wild Cherry, which centers on an E9. But you do hear them take it down a half step and then bring it back up. And then you even hear them bring it up uh, two half steps to F sharp 9 and then down to F9 and then back down to E9. Put uh, the movement all together and it sounds like this. So again, the main tonic chord here is E9, and you've got some half-step movement that's kind of leading up uh, or leading down to it. You've got some leading in both directions. So all of the examples I've given you so far are when you just take a chord and you move it up or down by a half-step to create some chromatic movement. But sometimes you'll connect two chords with another type of chord, uh, namely a diminished chord. Now, a diminished chord is a type of chord that on its own sounds very dissonant and unstable. It sounds almost unusable. It doesn't sound very good. For example, here is B diminished. 
Now it's hard to imagine how you could make a chord like that sound good, but actually when this chord is placed between the right chords, it makes for a very smooth and pleasant sounding transition. Listen to it here. So here I took a B diminished and I put it in between a B flat and a C minor. And I used it as a chromatic passing tone. B flat would be the tonic, chord one. D minor is the two chord. I also put a five chord in there, F. And I connected the one and the two chromatically with a diminished chord. hear that it actually fits really well and it creates really nice movement. So I'm going to give you some more examples of using diminished chords, but first let me explain the construction of, of diminished chords and I'm also going to explain that you don't want to confuse this type of diminished chord with a diminished triad that occurs in the seventh degree of the major scale. So let's analyze the construction of a diminished chord. I played a B diminished and uh, it's made up of the notes B, D, F, and A flat. By interval, that's a root, a minor third, a flat fifth, and a double flat seventh. So you think root, flat three, flat fifth, double flat seventh. Now what's interesting about these intervals is that they are all a minor third apart. Going from B to D is a minor third. Going from D to F is also a minor third. Going from F to A flat is also a minor third. Let me re-explain that just in case you're a little confused. The distance between the root and the flat third is three frets. That's a minor third. The distance between the minor third and the flat fifth is also three frets. The distance between the flat fifth and the double flat seventh is also three frets. And in fact, the distance between the double flat seventh, if, if you move that up another three frets, that puts you on your root B again. So the construction of a, of a diminished chord, and by the way, this is called a full diminished chord or a diminished seventh chord. More on that in a minute. But its construction is uh, it's symmetrical in the sense that the distance between each interval is identical. It's, it, it's built all on minor thirds. And what that means is that you can play diminished seventh chord inversions by simply taking any diminished chord shape and moving it up three frets. So here's a B diminished. And I'm going to take this same chord shape and just move everything up three frets and reproduce the same exact chord shape. That gives me an inversion because I've just moved each note up by a minor third. And because all the notes are a minor third apart, that means that every single note just went to the next note in the chord. And you could keep going. up or down by a minor third interval and you keep the very same fingering and chord shape. 
And you can do this with any type of diminished chord fingering. You can always move its uh, shape up or down minor thirds to get inversions. It makes playing diminished seventh chord inversions really easy. In fact, it's kind of fun. Now, I mentioned just a minute ago that these are fully diminished chords, full diminished chords or diminished seventh chords. And you do not want to confuse these with the diminished triad that occurs on the seventh degree of the major scale. They're actually a little bit different, and this is important, so let me explain this. When you build triads for the major scale, you know you get the sequence major, minor, minor, major, major, minor, and then you get what I always teach as a minor flat five. So for example, in the key of C, using the C major scale, you get C minor, or excuse me, C major, D minor, E minor, F major, G major, A minor. Then you get a B minor, but it's got a flat fifth on it. And I call that a B minor flat five. Now, it is also correct, theoretically correct, to call it a B diminished triad, because a diminished triad is a root, a flat third, and a flat fifth. Okay? Now remember, by the way, I teach this all in the first book, Fretboard Theory. I also teach you how to add seventh chords. So you could go through and add a seventh to each triad and play seventh chords, and then you get, you know, major seven, minor seven, minor seven, major seven, dominant seventh, minor seven, and that seventh chord becomes minor seven, flat five. Okay, that's all in the first uh, fretboard theory, the red book. And if you're ever, you really don't use the seventh chord much, but if you are ever gonna use it, you're probably gonna use it as a minor seven flat five. And let me just veer a little off topic here. Usually when you use it, it's when you're playing what's called a minor two five in a harmonic minor key. So if you're in the A minor, which is the relative minor to C, common chord movement would be to play two, five, one to A minor. So if A minor is your tonic, you would count it as one, which means the B minor seven flat five becomes two. E becomes five, and you can play it as a dominant seventh for harmonic minor to get that dominant function and that push back to A minor. So you get this sort of sound. So B minor 7 flat 5, E7, A minor is called a minor 2, 5, 1. And if you're ever going to use the seventh chord of the major scale, that's how you're going to use it. And it would usually be identified as 2 because you're playing in the relative minor key, so you'd call the uh, minor chord 1. And you hear this done in Smooth by Santana. You hear it done in Still Got the Blues by Gary Moore. It's in I Will Survive by Gloria Gaynor. Okay, so back to diminished chords. 
So the B minor 7 flat 5 is a root, a flat 3rd, a flat 5th, and a flat 7th. And those are all notes drawn directly from the C major scale. But a full diminished chord, or a diminished 7th chord, is a root, flat 3rd, flat 5th, double flat 7th. If you don't have a double flat 7th in there, then you don't have the perfect minor 3rd structure. In B minor 7 flat 5, you've got root to flat 3, then you've got flat 3 to flat 5th, that's a minor 3rd, but the flat 5th to the flat 7th is not a minor 3rd, it's actually a major 3rd. You can't take a B minor 7 flat 5 and just move it up three steps for the inversion. Technically, uh, things aren't moving properly and you don't have the uh, same notes in the, in the right order. So I'm pointing all of this out to let you know a couple of things. Number one, that a full diminished chord or diminished seventh chord is different than from what occurs on the seventh degree of the major scale. You can't build a full diminished or diminished seventh chord on the seventh degree because you don't have the double flat seventh. That's important point to remember number one. The second point that's important to remember is that the way that musicians use diminished chords really has nothing to do with the seventh degree of the major scale. When you use diminished, full diminished chords and diminished seventh chords, you're not going to place them on the seventh degree. You're going to put them elsewhere. So you don't really want to think about full diminished chords or diminished seventh chords as being related to the seventh degree in the major scale because they're not, and they're not used that way. And this is the reason why I prefer to call the seventh triad in the major scale minor flat five because it helps me um, separate it and not confuse it with full diminished chords in the way they are used. And I teach it that way also for the same reason. I don't want you to be confused and, and associate the two. <clears throat> now, uh, a few more things to mention here. When you play a minor 7 flat 5, you will often hear musicians refer to that as a half diminished chord because it's almost a full diminished chord, right? You've got the root, the flat 3rd, and the flat 5th, but you don't have the double flat 7th. So it's almost a full diminished chord, and so somewhere along the lines, musicians started calling it a half diminished chord. So you just want to be aware of that. If, if anyone ever calls out a half diminished chord, then you should know that it's a root, third, mi root, minor third, flat fifth, and a regular flat seventh as it occurs in the major scale. That's diatonic, right out of the major scale. But if a musician calls out a full diminished chord or a diminished seventh chord, then that would need to have a double flat seventh. And in music, unless you're doing like a minor 2-5-1, like I explained earlier, if you are called to play a diminished chord, it is almost always a full diminished chord or diminished seventh chord. And it's not placed on the seventh degree, it's placed elsewhere. So let me give you some examples of where you would place diminished chords. I already explained to you that a 
diminished chord is a transition chord. It, it works in between two chords. You never really play it on its own. It sounds terrible on its own, but it sounds beautiful when you put it in between the right chords. And one of the most common places to put it is in between the one chord and the two chord. I did this earlier, connecting B flat and C minor with a B diminished chord. to an F at the end, the V chord. And you hear something similar done in the song Friends in Low Places by Garth Brooks, which is actually uh, played in the key of A. So I'm connecting the one chord A and the two chord B minor with an A sharp diminished. A sharp diminished, and the two chord B minor, and then the five chord E. Now, I believe that song was actually played um, with a capo and using some different chord shapes, but it does sound like the key of A. You can play the key of A uh, along with it. Sometimes you'll hear uh, a diminished chord used to connect a five chord and a six chord. So, for example, if you're in the uh, key of A, okay, um, your five chord is E, and your six chord is F sharp minor, and you could connect it with an, uh, an F diminished in between. So you might have a progression that's like one A, five E, then a diminished chord, chromatic, going into the sixth chord. You hear something similar done in the song Shower the People by James Taylor. Um, it's actually, I think it's actually in the key of uh, F or something, and then it's connecting the five chord C to D minor, to the sixth chord D minor. All right, let's talk about some other places where you would put a diminished chord. Another location is in between the two chord and an inversion of the one chord. I'll give you an example so you can hear it and then I'll explain it. I'm in the key of B flat here, and I played B flat, C minor, or C minor seven, C sharp diminished. Then I played a B seven slash D, excuse me, B flat seven slash D. That's an, an inversion of the one chord. I'm playing the one chord as a dominant seventh, and I'm putting the third in the bass. one seven chord would lead into a four chord. And you hear this done in the song uh, Crazy, Patsy Cline's version of it. In fact, in the same section of the song, you then hear the four chord connected chromatically 
to an inversion of the one chord with another diminished. So I'm playing the four chord, E flat in this case, then I'm playing an E diminished, and then I'm playing a B flat slash F. That's the one chord with the fifth in the bass. Let me back up and play the last two examples, putting a diminished chord between chord two and an inversion of the one chord, and then putting another diminished chord in between chord four and a different inversion of the one chord. I'm on the four chord now. It's a nice sound here. And see how I'm not even using the seventh degree of the major scale. So again, the way that we musicians use diminished chords really has nothing to do with the, quote, diminished triad that is built off of the seventh degree of the major scale. Now you hear diminished chords used occasionally in popular music. Um, some other examples that you could look up on your own include 10 Years Gone by Led Zeppelin, Every Time You Go Away by Paul Young, Don't Look Back in Anger by Oasis, Private Investigation by Dire Straits, Michelle by The Beatles, My Sweet Lord by George Harrison, and Dance With Me by Orleans. I should also mention that diminished chords are found throughout jazz standards. I usually don't reference jazz songs because most guitar players who listen to popular music are not really familiar with old standards from the jazz era. But nevertheless, if you have a jazz songbook, like The Real Book, as it's called, you'll find diminished chords in many of its selections. And Two quick examples would be Stormy Weather and The Way You Look Tonight, both of which are performed by many different artists and have diminished chords in them. In addition to jazz standards, the popular guitar-driven Christmas song Jingle Bell Rock by Bobby Helms has several jazz elements, including diminished chords. In fact, it's a really a great song to learn if you want to get into jazz elements and use diminished chords and use dominant function and secondary dominance and voice leading. There's lots of that uh, going on in it. And I hope that you would be familiar with the song. Got some voice leading in there. Then you have some diminished chords. some 2-5 uh, movement, which is very common in jazz. It might even have an augmented chord in there, or a sharp 5. I'll, get, I'll talk about that in a minute. Um, but I know that later in the song you even have some dominant function with the 1 chord leading to the 4 chord, some more diminished. Secondary dominant. So there are some good things to learn from that song, and it would really serve well as kind of an introduction to, um, to jazz. All right, well, I mentioned augmented chords just a second ago, so that's the next topic I want to talk about. 
An augmented chord is a major triad with a raised fifth. It's something that does not happen naturally in a major scale. It's something that can be used like a dominant seventh chord, dominant function, and it's also something that is used um, as, a, as a type of passing chord, specifically when there's some voice leading at play. So, um, that's a D augmented chord. Now a D, a regular D triad would be D F sharp A, one, three, five. And if I raise that fifth A to A sharp, that's called an augmented because it's got a sharp fifth, or you could say it's an augmented fifth in there. And augmented chords are different than dominant seventh chords, but they can actually function in a very similar manner because they do have tension that can release on a one chord. So a D, in the same way that a D7 would lead to G, a D augmented could also lead to G. And you hear this done in the beginning of uh, Stormy Monday by the Allman Brothers Band, and also uh, Things That I Used To Do by Steve Ray Vaughan. The first thing you hear is a D augmented. And then that tension is released um, on the one chord, G. You also hear uh, a diminished chord used at the beginning of School Days by Chuck Berry. I, I think that's in the same key. So it starts with a D augmented and then goes to G. G. Now in addition to an augmented chord being used as a type of five chord, uh, being used for dominant function, sometimes it's actually the result of voice leading. Voice leadings where you're going to have melodic lines that kind of connect chords and change the st a melodic line um, in a series of chord changes that, that kind of changes the structure of chords. And a good example of this would be changes like this. I'm in D. Listen to this. So what I did is I, t I played a D, D augmented, D6, D7. And this progression is put together not because someone thought, hmm, let's slap these four chords together. It's like the chords are connected by this chromatic voice leading, which is A, A sharp, right, B, and C. When you add that voice leading to a D chord, you got D with an A in it, then you've got D with an A sharp in it, that creates D augmented. Then you got D with a, um, whoops, where did I go to? To a B. That creates a D6. And then you've got D with a C in it. That creates a D7. So. I ended up connecting the D7 to a G, because G7 leads naturally, uh, excuse me, D7 leads naturally to G, and then I put a G minor in there, 
That's changing the major third of G, B, to a B flat, which is the same as A sharp. So I'm kind of going back a little bit to that A flat note that was used for the D augmented. And that also leads chromatically down to the A in the D chord. So I've got G with a B in it, then G minor with a B flat in it, and then D with an A in it. So that's. So I'm kind of repeating some of that voice leading, that chromatic voice leading that led up to G, and then I kind of took those same notes and went back down. Something similar done in Crying by Roy Orbison. Also, it's all been done by Bare Naked Ladies. Um, now, sometimes an augmented chord won't be used for uh, a dominant function effect, and it won't really be used for voice leading. It might just be used for its sound um, quality and color. And a good example of this would be Baby Hold On by Eddie Money which has verses made from the progression D and D augmented. Now later, you kind of get the real goal of the progression uh, where it uses some voice leading to lead up to a D7, and then I think it probably goes to G. I'm not sure, but initially in the verse, um, it's just alternating between a D and a D augmented, and it's got, it's got a really neat sound to it. You could also consider uh, the second chord in Stairway to Heaven, you could consider that a type of augmented chord. You've got A minor. And the second chord is like an inversion of an E augmented with a B on top. So you could just play an E augmented. And you can hear that it actually, it actually works. And that E augmented is kind of functioning as a 5-7 in A harmonic minor. So you've got A minor, E augmented. And you can continue with the rest of the changes. And you can hear that it works. Now you can take that E augmented, and instead of putting the root E in the bass, you can put its third G sharp in the bass. So then you get, and then the rest of the chords. That's where you get that chromatic bass line on the fourth string. Then finally, you can take that E augmented slash G sharp, and you can put a B on top, which itself is a result of voice leading. Because while you have these notes going down in the fourth string, the notes on the first string are going up. In the A minor chord, you start with A on top. Then you've got B in the next chord. Then you've got C. And I have no doubt that these chord changes were put together with that voice leading in mind. I don't think that Jimmy Page was thinking specifically about the chords he was using. E augmented slash G sharp, 
um, ad B or whatever you would call it. I just thought, I think that he found it interesting to play a descending chromatic line. Which has um, you know, been used in many other styles of music and certainly was used before Stairway to Heaven. And I think that he probably liked the idea while one line was descending to have another line ascending. And as a result, you get some pretty complicated chords, but it was based on a simpler idea, and that is just simply some, uh, uh, some voice leading. That wraps up this free guitar lesson on chromatic passing chords and diminished chords and augmented chords. I want to remind you that this lesson was based on my book, Fretboard Theory, Volume 2, Chapter 5, and there is more information on the book. This concludes today's episode. Please rate this podcast and leave a positive review. Be sure to join my email list at guitarmusictheory.com in order to receive free guitar lessons and learn more about my instructional books and videos. Once subscribed, you're welcome to reply to any message with questions, and I'll get right back to you. Once again, the website is guitarmusictheory.com, and I'm Desi Serna. Keep listening, and let me know if you need any help.